0: For those of you that listened last week, this is another episode about weird holiday traditions from around the world. This is a remastered episode. Its original release date was last December. I wanted to put this back out there for people that haven't heard it before and maybe those who are kind of like me and listen to episodes of their favorite podcasts, uh, holiday editions or holiday editions of their favorite podcasts. I do that. I watch watch I don't watch anything I listen, listen, people to uh Christmas episodes of my favorite podcast. I just said that, but then I just now said it in a different way as though that was I think I'm just wasting time okay, so here is that episode. more fun stuff uh some little jingle bells in there too that I added in uh post last year and um yeah. So uh, enjoy. And um, I, why do I, there is no and. Just, just listen. As you can tell from the bells, we're still in the holiday season. I wanted to go back to what we did last week because it got some rave reviews. And I know that there's more weird traditions out there uh, around the world and domestically. So I thought that I would go ahead and record another episode regarding weird holiday traditions from around the globe. Now I am going to, I I looked up a few different websites where I can find stories about different traditions and I'm sure I'm going to overlap. So I'm not, I'm going to skip some of them. But again, I didn't want to read any of them. There was quick glances at titles based on some of the things that I saw. I think we're going to have a great time. Uh, although I, I don't know if we can beat the the pooping log or the uh, the witch who, uh, who met baby Jesus. So we'll see. I haven't read any of them. This is all going to be organic, kind of like last time. And I, th- I think it just was more amusing for everybody that uh, I was able to laugh and enjoy it. So hopefully you do as well. We're going to get right into it with taking a trip over to... So I think we're going to Germany, but I'm not positive. Because just a quick scan. The origin of the story says unknown, but then I see German in there. So let's look into this. It's called the Decorating Your Christmas Tree with Pickles. If you've perused, perused the Christmas section of any ornament selling store, you've probably seen at least one sparkling glass pickle. That's funny. Because we did go to um, a local, what do you call them, nursery where they sell plants and stuff like that. Uh, and we go here every year for around this time and, and in the springtime because they have a really nice uh, flower display. But in the winter especially, we go here with the kids because they have like a little walkthrough display. And then like everything's decorated. There's tons of trees and tons of lights and they have Santa there and then they even bring in reindeer. And this particular season, we we just went last week. My daughter saw a Christmas pickle, like it's a, a glass ornament. It's really ornately decorated, bejeweled, and glossy, and you know whatever. And she's like, "Oh, look at this Christmas pickle." Anyway, so this is this is familiar. Uh, not this little tradition, but at least I know what they're talking about. I I did see these, so I, I'm just rambling now. So. Let's continue. Popularly touted as an old world German tradition, the Christmas pickle or (laughs) Weihnachtsgurk. Okay, let's break this down. I took a little bit of German. It took a little bit, like three years, but I don't remember much. Weihnachtskurke. Gurke. Gurke. Like gherkin. Oh, okay. Weihnachtgurken. Wait, there's no N. Try this again. Weihnachtskurke is hidden deep in the boughs of the Yule tree on Christmas Eve for children to find on Christmas morning. So they get this ornament. They put it on the tree. I guess this is the parents late at night after putting the... <clears throat> wait, let's back up. We have kids listening. So it doesn't say who does this. Okay, so this might be... might be the parents do it or it might be someone else. I don't know. The first one to spy the bridey bowpole bowpole is that another name for pickle? ...gets a special gift or is given the honor of opening the first present. Whether or not this tradition's origin story is true is up for debate. Turns out, no one really knows. Not even the Germans. Okay, so that's why it says unknown. USA Today notes that according to a 2016 survey, 91% of Germans had never even heard of the Weihnachtsgerke, let alone had one in their homes. Okay, so who's doing this then? Other theories for where this strange custom originated hail back from the Civil War and even to Saint Nicholas himself. Well, that's <laughs> that's a it's a big gap between the Saint Nicholas when he was alive and in the Civil War. Also, I mean, that's all over the map. That's crazy. So, I mean, all right. So, who's doing this then? Doesn't it say who's doing it anymore. I don't know. I I kind of wish that it gave us more than that. These these articles only give like little tidbits of these things and you have to look into it. And I don't, I don't think that I saw that anywhere else. I might be mistaken. Hold on. Let me just, okay. Pickle in the tree. Okay. So this one also says that it's German based, but might not be Uh, one legend says that the Christmas pickle originated in Spain when two young boys were held as prisoners inside a pickle barrel. Okay. Well, that's obviously not reliable. The heroic St. Nicholas rescued the boys and brought them back to life. Okay, come on. (laughs) Either way, a pickle in the Christmas tree is a tradition we can totally get behind. Okay, I guess so. All right, this one, it says, uh, The Christmas tree tradition embraced around the world today is believed to have started in Germany back in the 16th century. So it comes as no surprise that our continental cousins still have some unique customs relating to the festive conifers. I don't know who's Continental Cousins. I don't, I'm i not sure that we consider Germany Cousins. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah. All right. So hiding a pickle in the tree. That's, uh, that's quite weird. And I, I've never seen it. This is the first year that I've ever seen a pickle or cucumber ornament. So this is... It's actually kind of uh, funny that we just ran into this story. Anyway, moving on. Okay, this one is called... Caroling with the with a dead horse. And this goes into Wales. All right, so as the legend goes, during the holidays in Wales, the dead horse, Mari Lead rises from the grave, then goes door to door, challenging those who dare to a rhyming battle of wits. <laughs> it's a rapping dead horse. <laughs> it's a zombie horse. A rapping zombie horse. This is, why is this? No one's called, uh, I don't think there's any rappers called Mari Lead. It's a M A R I space L W Y D. I'm not sure I'm even pronouncing it right. I'm probably not. That's funny. In practice, here's what that looks like groups of revelers take a decorated horse skull around and knock on doors. When the door opens, the group will sing Mari Leeds Challenge, then start a Puenco, P W N C O. I don't know how to pronounce that. Or Call and response rhyme battle with those inside the home, each group trying to outdo the other. This is just one of many holiday horrors and terrifying traditions we recently uncovered. That doesn't sound horrifying. I mean, it, yeah, it's weird with a dead horse, but I mean, they they make it fun with, uh, not dead horse, they, it's a horse skull. But, okay, first of all, where do you find a horse skull, I guess it depends on the country, because some countries eat horses. For those of you that have children listening, I'm sorry. But, I don't know, it, it doesn't sound terrifying. Because it ends up being like a, a rap battle or a singing battle. That's kind of fun. I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere else too. So let's, hold on. Hopefully somebody else has more. Yeah, here we go. There isn't a particular day for this weird tradition, but from the time of Christmas to late January, the celebration of Mari Lead is supposed to bring good luck. One person will dress as a horse with an actual horse skull and is usually accompanied by a group of people. So that's a little bit different. Now They're not just carrying one around. They're dressing somebody up with one. The group will go to home, sing carols in exchange for food and drinks. Okay, so this is... Obviously, we don't know exactly what this is <laughs> or what the actual tradition is. The tradition is thought to stem from ancient Celtic rites. I need to find this out. Let's let's look more into this. Caroling with dead horses. I mean, I this is the bad part about doing what I'm doing is because... I'm obviously not prepared, but that's, it was kind of just a, the organic reaction of these things. It would be even better if I had somebody with me, like I would do this, I'd do all the research and then I'd have somebody here and, you know, responding to what I say, but I think this is fun. It, it worked out really good last time. So, all right. Um, this is all about it. Nadolig Yawan, it's Mari Luid. <laughs> I'm completely butchering that. I'm very sorry. I don't know how to pronounce that. How on earth did Christmas in Wales come to be celebrated using a horse's skull? Truthfully, nobody knows, but it's safe to say that the origins of the Mari Lead, Grey Mary, okay, that's finally, I mean, I don't know why the other one didn't say what Mary Lead meant. It's Grey Mary, are pre Christian, a little glimpse into the world of druids. Okay, so that the Celtic, right? Celtic druid. Uh, so it's a shame that a tradition so ancient has largely died out since the 1970s. That's fairly recent, considering and equally heartening that the people who would keep these ancient customs alive are stirring themselves to revive them. Hmm. How do you make, it tells you how to make one. <laughs> First, get a horse skull. That, so number one, <laughs> I think I think anything after that is easy in comparison. So number one, and really the only step is to find a horse skull. After that, you just throw a sheet over yourself while you're propping up a, a horse skull over your head. Okay. Granted, not the sort of thing you tend to find next to the garlands down in your local convenience store you can try asking local farmers and stables but if you're living in the heart of london or new york perhaps you won't find too many of those happily happily that's not something i thought i would hear in this there are mary lead kits available online of course there are or you could just fashion one out of cardboard all right so second it goes actually goes through all of the uh (laughs) what to do (laughs) If you're a strong Welsh speaker, obviously proven that I'm not, you can go all out with this punco. See, I don't know what that means. The P-W-N-C-O that can, that came back. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know what it is. Let's hold on. Let's see. Punko uh, pronunciation. There we go. It says. punco. Okay. you hear that? Okay. So that's, let's hear it again. Punco. Punco. Punko. punko. Punko, pun punko, pun I don't know. I think I'm getting in trouble with that one. So, let's go back. This is a battle of wits in which you deliver a good-humored insult in rhyme or song. Your neighbor, or should that be victim, then attempts to respond in like manner. Rappers should do well at this. Just so you know. That's what it says. That's not me saying it. Rappers should do well at this. Both keep this up until one or the other is finally lost for words. So, it's a rap battle. And then they, they get to have drinks in wassail bowl wassail as in here we go a uh, wassailing along okay so wasail this is one of my favorite Welsh Christmas customs the english drink mold wine okay all right so that's basically what it is it's just uh, a rap battle with your neighbor and um yeah that sounds that sounds better than caroling honestly you know if you're going to go out it's kind of nice i mean i don't think we have anybody that i know that carols I think we did it once as like a youth group thing, but I, I don't remember for sure. And I definitely haven't seen anybody around us do it. So no one in my family would ever do it, I don't think. And yeah, no, uh, but that's interesting. I think that would be a fun thing. Maybe minus the uh, the horse head. But uh, okay, so that is caroling with dead horses. Thank you, Welsh. Okay, we're going to go to Oaxaca, Mexico. Carving intricate radish sculptures. This century-old holiday is celebrated every December 23rd in Oaxaca, Mexico. The tradition began when merchants tried to attract shoppers on their way to and from Christmas church services with intricate vegetable displays. The merchants carved radishes into people, animals, and other decorative shapes. The most imaginative and skillfully carved radishes would be snatched up to be used as centerpieces on holiday tables. Okay. Not not weird. In 1897, Huaca's mayor officially declared December 23rd to be the Noche de los Rabanjos, or Night of the Radishes. Each year, professional artists and amateur whittlers transform humble radishes into nativity scenes, alligators, churches, port... Okay, back up. Just a little bit. Nativity scenes? nope. No, that sounds good. Uh, churches, no, that's that's part of Christmas as well. Uh, alligators, what's with alligators? No, I it doesn't say. <laughs> Why alligators? Is that a thing? And then portraits of famous celebrities and other creations. Okay, so I, you had me at nativity scenes and churches. I guess portraits of famous celebrities, maybe like Tim Allen because he played Santa Claus. Maybe Jimmy Stewart because it's a wonderful life. I don't know. I would I would say that Bruce Willis's John McClane probably be my favorite, but I don't know about alligators. I need to know more about that. But uh not going to find it from this article because it ends with we first wrote about this last year along with some other interesting holiday traditions. That but that's not okay. There's a there's a link. So, uh let's see. There was somebody else that did it. You can't celebrate the holidays without radishes. That's not allowed. Every year on December 23rd, the Mexican state of Huaca presents the most impressive display. By the way, I don't know that I'm pronouncing that right. Presents the most impressive display of card vegetables in the world. The radishes are grown especially for this event and remain on display through Christmas Day. The mentor exhibits show the nativity scene and other events from Mexican folklore. Originally, the tradition of radish carving was done by shopkeepers who wanted to entice people into their stores. It is now a three-day festival. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. And they actually have pictures. And yeah, it's it's neat. And so many different shapes for radishes. I I didn't know that they came in so many different shapes. Like, some of these look like like turnips. Others look like beets. It's a... Interesting. Moving on to... Wait, hold on. Is that getting annoying? It might be getting annoying, right? I don't think we need uh, the bells every time. All right. Well, we definitely do Elf on the Shelf here. The origin is actually in Georgia, in the United States. not Not Georgia the country, but Georgia the state. And I don't want to go too much into this because for our American listeners, you're probably well-versed in this. And if you're not, just go look it up. But two, I don't want to, I have my kids, we have an Elf on the Shelf. His name is Theodore. We call him Teddy. And I have friends that also have Elf on the shelves, and I think they listen to this. So I'm not going to do anything about that. If you are outside of the United States and you don't know about this, look it up. It's called Elf on the Shelf. It's going to be a simple Google search and you will find out everything you need to know about this tradition, which is fairly new. I'm going to play the balls. Okay, we are going to back to Catalonia, Spain. Okay, now this is where we learned about the pooping logs. Okay, so there's more to it. Now, I just, I was aware of this after the last time I did the, this, or last week's episode. Because it was just so funny and so just out there. Like I wasn't expecting it at all. It was probably the best part of last week's episode. But I did hear that it's not just logs or or pooping logs that we have to deal with. So in Catalonia, Spain, who actually we have a friend from Catalonia. And I haven't been able to get to them because now they live in London. They used to live here. And very creative uh, husband who is from Spain and, and his wife, who lovely. She was a scientist over in Cold Spring Harbor. And she got transferred to London, and yeah, so they're living there now. She's, she's from Germany, and he's from Spain. And he happened to be from Catalonia. And I, I wish that I'd known about this before he left, because right now it's, it's, we can only get a hold of them uh, via email. But I will hopefully see them again and, and definitely ask them about all the weird traditions that Catalonia has. So this one is called Adding Some Scatological Humor to Your Nativity. So apparently it goes a little bit further than just pooping logs. For you, a traditional nativity scene probably includes Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, some shepherds, three wise men, you get the gist. But in Catalonia, an independent region in Spain, you'll notice a strange figure in the corner, a Caganer, or Cajuner. A Caganer, Cajuner, however you pronounce that, is a bare-bottomed figurine eternally frozen in the midst of answering his call of nature. (laughs) It's a It's a pooping figure. (laughs) Just say it's a pooping figure. He or she is placed in the corner or the back of the nativity and left for onlookers to notice. That's cute. That's funny. Though historians have traced the advent of the Kaganer back to the 18th century, poop jokes were a thing back then too. No one knows exactly why or how they came to be or what they truly mean. So no one knows why they do this. When did pooping become festive? (laughs) When, was, when did that become a thing? Some scholars suspect that the Caganer is a reminder that God will come in his time, regardless of whether his followers are ready or not. Others suspect that 18th century Catalonians simply had an unmatched sense of humor. See, that's, that sounds, I mean, they both could kind of go hand in hand. That's very funny. The humor and, and the first explanation. That's interesting. I like that. So They're just very funny people. That'd be funny if that's exactly what it is. They were just messing with the future generations. Like they just started this this whole thing and no one knows what it is. And so they just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> but this just became a thing. It was a group of people. I can imagine like my friends and I doing this. Just a group of people getting together. They set up this weird tradition and didn't say anything about it. And just every single season, there was this pooping figure inside of the nativity scene sacrilegious or not it's just there and no one talks about it you know maybe every once in a while somebody asks but they quickly change the subject or they everyone maybe it's like the 21 pilots thing where like every almost every interview they're asked how they they came to become friends or you'll know, find each other and every single time they tell a different variation so no one knows exactly what the truth is so maybe that's what was happening back then but you would think that they would have at least say that you know there's like so many different variations to it but they don't say it so, all right, that's very funny. That would be, I really hope that that's the reason. <laughs> it's because there's just a group of people that were just messing with their family members and it just spread like wildfire. And since then, it's just, it's just been a thing. So though traditionally Kaganers were depicted wearing a white shirt and a traditional Catalan hat called a Barantina. Today, you can find them in the likeness of literally anyone ranging from Vladimir Putin to the Pope to Darth Vader. (laughs) That's a range of people. (laughs) Surprisingly, Kaganers aren't the only poop-centric holiday tradition in Catalonia, as we found out last time. So that is really funny. I'm very excited about that. That's hilarious. Pooping pooping logs that you you hit with sticks (laughs) and little figurines. Pooping. In midst of pooping in the back of a nativity scene. That's really funny. Okay, this is medieval Europe. Hang old oranges around the house. Medieval Europe. Okay, I, I can already guess that this has something to do with the plague, right? It's got to be. Let's, let's find out. If you're looking for that perfect festive spicy scent so many of us associate with Christmas, look no further than a homemade orange and clove pomander. 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 Once used as the protection against the plague, called it, pomanders rose in popularity in 17th and 18th century Europe. Okay, these these medieval pomadeurs, am I saying that correctly? Were round pieces of jewelry that contained smell-good items like rose petals, herbs, flowers, or musk. Okay, so it's like those pouches you get with, uh, what do you call that, potpourri kind of things? That sounds about right, right? So this is ancient potpourri and you can find ones you know around the holiday season with like allspice and cinnamon, you know, get the the festive flavors. Today, modern pomanders are dried oranges studded with cloves and hung with ribbon. While we now know that these sweetly scented inventions do nothing to ward off sickness, pomanders make cheerful holiday decorations and fill your home with a lovely aroma. And then they proceed to give you an easy tutorial on how to make one. Interesting. Okay. Bells I don't know how long. I wasn't planning on making this very long, but let's see. Uh, decorate with and destroy straw goats into Sweden is where we're going next. Oh, and parts of northern United States. See, I don't know this one. Families adorn their homes and Christmas trees with Jolbach or the Yule Goat. It may be Yul-bok. Yule Goat. The J might be a, a Y sound. Though no one knows exactly why goats figure so heavily in Scandinavian festivals right we we did learn that last time i believe the old goat was probably invented to honor the mythical goats tangsner and tangs gotter that's not right in Norse mythology these giant grazers pulled the god thor's chariot and would rise whole and new each morning after being killed and devoured by their master each evening as many things in north myth mythology Norse <laughs> north Norse mythology go it's in Valhalla, they're, they're fighting the glorious battle every day. They die, and they come back, and they do it again. All right. Originally part of a winter celebration called Yule Offer, or Yule Sacrifice, the Yule Goat was portrayed by a man dressed in goatskins carrying a goat's head effigy. What is with animal heads? At the end of the day, the Yule Goat would be killed, quote-unquote, but like Thor's chariot pullers, because I can't pronounce their names, They would rise from the dead as the Yule sun rose in the sky. Today, the Yule goat is remembered in ornament form, made of straw and decorated with red ribbon. Yule goats are hung on Christmas trees or placed under them. Okay, and they show they have this this picture of this massive, massive, three, four, five-story tall goat made of straw and whatever else. That's crazy. Fun fact: This is part of it. Uh, The city of Gavel, Gavel. Gavel, Sweden, is famous for erecting the world's largest Yule goat every holiday season. Likewise, the Gavel goat is famous because it rarely lasts long enough to see Christmas come and go. According to the news site The Local, the giant effigy has only survived 16 times over its five-decade history. What does that mean? Every year, citizens and government officials alike gather for the goat's unveiling and to brainstorm how to keep it safe. Presumably, other citizens meet at the same time to think of its destruction. Okay. Gavale and its townsfolk, Gavale Gavale, Gavell, I don't know, have been engaged in this somewhat friendly fight since 1966, and some of the attacks on the giant goat have been pretty weird. There's a link. Should we do it? We should. Five weirdest? No, I can't do it. It's it's behind a paywall. That figures. Okay. So we're going to go from the goat to another animal, the Yule Cat, and that's in Iceland. 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 This is one scary kitty. The Yule Cat. They give two different variations of how to say this in the native tongue, and I don't think I'm even going to try. No, I'll try. There's so many different symbols on top of the O's. Yolakoturin. Yolakoturin. Or Yolakotur. I don't know. That's, it's probably way off. Anyway, the Yule Cat is a huge and vicious cat from Icelandic folklore. That lurks during Christmas time and eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. That's horrible. (laughs) It's gonna eat you. If you haven't found clothes, you better find some knickers before the cat comes around. That's insane. So it's just eating homeless people? It began as a threat used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. (laughs) That's terrible. So not only was it their job to harvest the wool, but then they. Also, in order to protect their fellow man, had to find clothes for them as well or use some of the scrap wool to fashion shirts for, for people? That's crazy. I mean, obviously, that's not what it was, but that's insane. The ones who took part in the work would be rewarded with new clothes. Okay, see, that, this is just typical me not continuing the <laughs> continuing on the sentence. The ones who took part in the work would be rewarded with new clothes, but those who did not would get nothing and thus would be eaten by the monstrous cat okay so that makes that doesn't make sense i'm not saying that that makes sense but that's different than what i thought before obviously so it was just a way for landowners to get their workers to be productive around harvest time sure <laughs> <laughs> that's um that's all for, about that one that's all it says i want i want to know more about uh the yule cat that's crazy there is other things from iceland no <laughs> the yule cat okay this is what we're gonna do the yule cat iceland okay the Yule cat is a huge and vicious cat who lurks about the snowy countryside during the christmas time and eats people who have not received any new clothes okay that's from wiki uh grilla grilla is a giantess with an appetite for the flesh of mischievous children okay this is this is a wow we took a different turn this is Okay, so apparently there's a few things. Okay, this is actually kinda of part of it. Grilla is a giantess with an appetite for the flesh of mischievous children, whom she cooks in a large pot. Her husband, La Palaloo why does she get Grilla and he gets La Palalalalu, Is lazy and mostly stays at home in their cave. The Yule Cat is a huge and vicious cat who lurks about the snowy countryside during Okay, we've got that. The Yule lads are the sons of Grilla and her Lapala Luli. They are A group of 13 mischievous pranksters who steal from or harass the population all have descriptive names that convey their favorite way of harassing. They come to town one by one during the last 13 nights before Christmas. They leave small gifts and shoes that children have placed on windowsills. But if the child has been disobedient, they instead leave a potato in the shoe. And then what, the mom comes around and eats the child with the potato? These Christmas-related folktales first appear around the 17th century and display some variation based on region and age. Interesting. So I guess the Yule Cat is their pet. That, okay. I mean, it sounds like perfect family. They actually have statues. Not statues. Um, big, like, puppets that people can wear. Uh, figures of Gorilla and her husband. And they are they're quite creepy. And they have the list of the 13 boys. 13 days of Christmas. 13 nights before Christmas beginning December 12th. So one then departs each day, beginning on Christmas Day, and the other in the order that they arrived. So they stick around, and then they continue to leave. All right, so they have names, each one of them. I'm going to read the English translation, okay? Sheep coat clawed. He harasses sheep, but is impaired by his stiff peg legs. Gully gawk hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Stubby is abnormally short. Okay. Steals pans to eat the crust left on them. <laughs> spoon liquor. I mean, come on. Steals and licks wooden spoons is extremely thin due to malnutrition. <laughs> pot scraper. It just gets worse and worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it starts with a guy like eating sheep and then, and then goes down to pot liquor. Or pot scraper, I should say. Steals leftovers from pots. I guess he's eating a little bit better than spoon liquor. Bowl liquor. Yep. Hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their asker. A bowl with a lid he used to instead of dishes. And then he steals it. Door slammer. Really. Likes to slam doors, especially during the night, waking people up. That's uh, called my daughters. Uh, skier gobbler. Skier gobbler. Has a great affinity for skier. Oh, skier's yogurt. Okay. Sausage swiper. Hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. Window peeper. <laughs> These are just... Oh, <laughs> uh, a snoop who looks through windows. I guess you, didn't, you weren't guessing that, were you? Doorway sniffer. Has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread. Laufel brau. Okay. Meat hook. Uses a hook to steal meat. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. Candle stealer. Seriously. Follows children in order to steal their candles, which were once made of tallow and thus edible. All right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was a rabbit trail and uh, I'm kind of glad we went down it. All right. Let's do one more. Oh no, we'll do a couple more. Uh, alternative Christmas tree in New Zealand. Thought all Christmas trees were created equal? Think again. The Kiwis are all about the Huataka. Kawa. Huataka. <laughs> what do I, I don't know why I'm trying now. A beautiful tree that is native to New Zealand with gnarled roots and bright crimson flowers. It actually is pretty beautiful. The first mention of this tree came from the Austrian geologist Ferdinand von Hochstetter in 1867. He described locals decorating their churches and homes with the brightly colored branches at Christmas. Today, this tree is recognized as a symbol of Christmas around New Zealand and is featured on Christmas cards, decorations, and even in the Christmas carols that children sing at school. Interesting. It's not a weird tradition. That's just something that they use. It's a very beautiful tree. I'll spell it for you. I can't can't pronounce it. P-H-U-T-U-K-A-W-A. And it's kind of weird because after the P, they have a question mark, but I'm assuming that's supposed to be a symbol. Okay, and the last one that we're going to do... This one is called Donald Duck in Sweden. And in case you're wondering, yes, it is Donald Duck, I think. There's a video, and we'll play the video. This is from 1958. The video above is a 1958 Christmas special called Kala Anka Ok Ach Hans Vanner Anskar God Yule. Or, <laughs> just, I can't, just go on to the next sentence. <laughs> And you'll find out the translation. Instead of me just sitting here guessing, Donald Duck and his friends wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, I was never gonna get any of that. Why does why does it say God and Yule? Like I would have gotten that, but like God, Yule tied. <laughs> but no nowhere in there does it say Donald Duck. I never would have gotten that. Anyway, every Christmas families around Sweden gather around the television at 3 p.m. sharp. To watch Donald deliver his raspy message. Let's hear it. Oh, it's 33 minutes. Okay, so we're not going to hear it. Let's. uh, (laughs) Disney presents. This is the thing, and it was in English. From Fantasyland, from all of us to all of you. Okay. Alright, so you basically have Tinkerbell running around and um using her, her wand, Disney wand Disney to decorate the house, basically, and the fireplace and it's the Christmas tree. August um August. August. um and it looks like a, a neat little video for the kids to, to watch. And then uh again to Some old guy drinking a beer. (laughs) Oh, no, it's Canada Dry. (laughs) It's in black and white, so it's hard to tell. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, (laughs) It's all the uh, sponsors. It was sponsored by Canada Dry, Cheerios, I guess it's General Mills, Cereals. Yep, there they all are. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And now, your Disneyland host, Walt Disney. Oh, Mr. Disney. And then they, uh, they cut to, oh, back to Tinkerbell and decorating again, I guess. And then he's, uh, uh, okay. All right. So I don't know what to expect from this, but, um, apparently this goes on for a half an hour. They have some old Christmas Disney cartoons, really old ones. You can find these on uh, Disney plus. I know I've seen them. Uh one of them is the uh Chip and J- Chip and Dale uh versus um no, this is, yeah versus Donald Duck. I thought there was there was another one with uh, Chip and Dale and Mickey Mouse and uh, Pluto. Okay, so that's that's that. Yeah, Bambi on Ice. Uh Pinocchio got no strings. It's basically just like a a mix of all the different cartoons. Cinderella. Uh, you have Mickey playing the piano. Chimney cricket. Wish upon a star. Okay, so it's an interesting thing. I I don't see. I didn't see much of Donald Duck, so I don't know what that's all about. But all right, so this is what they would do. I guess they still do. So everything on Christmas is planned and around the television special and more than 40% of Sweden's population still tune in like clockwork. The tradition dates back to the 1960s when televisions were a new commodity in Sweden and only two channels aired, one of which played Disney cartoons at Christmas. It may be a quirky tradition, but a whole nation coming together to watch Christmas cartoons together is about as festive as it gets. That's true. That's pretty good. I mean, we had, I think, every Christmas Eve other than Die Hard. We would watch Mickey's Christmas Carol. And before that, they had Pluto and Mickey with Chip and Dale. You know, Chip and Dale were in a tree. Mickey went out to go cut a tree down and happened to be their tree. And then Pluto and Chip and Dale are fighting the whole time until like everything gets destroyed. And then they come together and they're happy and they sing at the end. And then I think after that was another cartoon. But so that's... You know, we have somewhat a tradition like that. Not on Christmas Eve as, as much. I'll I'll watch Die Hard, but uh, with the kids, we have a Christmas party on Christmas Eve here at the house every year, and um, we're not watching TV. We're just hanging out, and we'll play games and stuff. Uh, I'll do Jeopardy, and my sister in law will bring some games to to win money and stuff. So it's you know we all have our traditions, but then you know we do watch, I like, guess, many Christmas movies and shows that we can. Leading up to Christmas. That wasn't a weird tradition. That's uh, that's kind of nice. But I definitely didn't see Donald Duck in that. Okay, so those are more traditions. Again, if you have any weird traditions that we didn't cover in last week's episode or this one, shoot me an email. It's, uh, go to com and go to the comments section. and uh, Or email me at nogreeneggspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, let me know what it is give me a link to an actual article or something so i can read up on it and uh maybe present it on a future episode cuz uh i'm really interested in these things these are these are a lot of fun some of these are just hysterical i think the ones from last week uh got a bigger reaction from me and from other people i did get comments about some of them the, i love everyone loved the the pooping log that that seemed to be everyone's favorite as well as mine that was that was hilarious And there you go. Some weird, wacky traditions from around the world. A lot of them are uh, exciting, fun, crazy, good stuff. Uh, If you have any that you know of that either you have experienced or you know someone that has, or if you have family members in another country that have experienced or performed any crazy activities during the holiday season, please let me know. No Green Eggs podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Send me a private message. Uh, on the forum, just go ahead and put it right in the the page there so everyone can see it. And, uh, I'll talk about it, uh, on a future episode because we all want to know, what do you do? And it doesn't have to be, uh, from outside the U S it could be here at home where some of you are. What do you guys do? Is it something that no one else does that you know of? Is it just something that's maybe a normal holiday tradition that you put a little spin on? let me know. And, uh, next week we are going to be, I don't know. I'll be here. It's a uh, Christmas week, the week of Christmas, but I think I'll still be around. be doing some things. I'm sorry. This isn't a new episode, but I wanted to put out like a kind of a repeat of the holiday season episodes because one of my favorite things to do during this time is go to some of my favorite uh, podcasts and listen to their holiday versions. Um, what one is, uh, what do you call that? Uh, it doesn't even matter. Doug loves movies. <laughs> Every year he does a, uh, 12 guests at Christmas and, uh, they're a lot of fun. A bunch of comedians and actors and actresses that, uh, he brings on and they play a game of learn mountain and, uh, blah, blah, blah. you didn't hear, you don't know what I said. I just said, um, but that's okay. Check it out. Doug loves movies. Go to the archives and you'll see them every year. I'm not sure actually he did one this year. I, I checked. I, he, they usually do it like at the end of November, like after Thanksgiving and beginning of December. I th- I think I checked last week and there there were none. So I don't know if he did this year. Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened to his podcast in a while. Um, But I thought I would kind of go in that same direction and, and give you some of my favorite Christmas stuff from my podcast. And of course it's just from last year, but I, I have some other ones from the year before that I can go over, but I, I really have to redo those because the sound quality is really bad in, in comparison to to this. Not that this is fantastic, but I was on a completely different system. So I will maybe just redo those completely instead of mastering them. And uh, one was about Die Hard which actually we're going to be talking about on for reels, hopefully this weekend. And the other one was about Jimmy Stewart. So, uh, okay, that's it. Uh, I don't know what's happening next week. Uh, hopefully I have something new and improved. If not, I'll be sending out another episode like this just remastered stuff and kind of like that. I just talked about, um, or maybe I'll just mash those two together and, uh, Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be an episode of four reels this week. Uh, things with dips have been, uh, kind of crazy for work and stuff. And so he's hasn't had any time. Um, we did have a plan to go through things. Uh, we both watched a bullet train. Did you watch bullet train? If you did, let me know. Um, I found it entertaining. So, um, yeah. And other than that, I think we're going to go over some Christmas stuff, but the, the, the big thing is we're going to do, uh, an episode of Last Concession uh, with Die Hard, and we have some special guests for that one. We have, we have a couple judges, two two judges, and uh, no, that's it. Okay, um, so until next time, see you, not see you.